Welcome to this episode of the Comedy Defect Podcast. This is episode 42. We've done 42 of these now. 42 episodes. And this one is a great episode. This is a, with a very funny comic, a guy that's just got a little interesting way about him, an interesting perspective on the creative stuff that he's putting out into the world, trying to reduce negativity around the globe with his comedy and his creative processes and thoughts. We go quite deep on the reasons why Mel Knight does comedy and is involved in this creative ambition that he set himself. He talks very candidly about that, which is great. We connected on a lot of things. He runs his very own podcast called The Midnight Hour. Go check that out on YouTube. Go find him on Facebook. Go follow him on Twitter. He's writing his first half an hour special, which he's going to be taking up to the Fringe to road test this year. He's taking it also to the Camden Fringe and the Brighton Fringe. And he's going to be doing some stuff with Rick Murta, also another friend of this podcast. Now, you, if, you, if you like this podcast, you can follow us on Twitter. We're there at The Comedy Defect. If you want to follow me, it's at Winter Phonander. If you want to support this podcast, you can go to Patreon, type in The Comedy Defect Podcast. And you can donate as little as a pound or as much as you feel this podcast is worth. And those of you that do donate, thank you, because you're paying for the people that can't. And don't worry, those of you that can't afford to, just share your favourite episode, retweet, comment about your favourite episode, because it tells people where we are and what we're doing. I, I guess you want to know what's happening with me this week. Well, let me tell you, I've been doing gigs all over. I went down to Portsmouth, closed the gig, went back down to Bognor Regis for another set, then went back up to Macclesfield the next night, and then back down to London on the Sunday with about four hours sleep and did two kids' shows, and they were fun. All of them were great, but I'm absolutely dead. So I'm going to make this intro really short today because I'm hanging on to the last shred of energy that I've got left. We're gonna, you're going to really enjoy this episode. We talked about loads of different things. We went deep on a lot of stuff. It was just such an easy chat with Mel. It flew by. And you're going to really enjoy this episode with a very funny, very easygoing, extremely candid Mr. Mel Knight. Mel Knight, welcome to the Comedy Defect. Thank you very much, man. It's great to be here. You're welcome, yes, man. You're welcome. Yes. Uh, how are you getting on? Uh, I'm getting on well. I kind of got a bit of a hangover, you know what I mean? So uh, if I sound a little bit weird, sounding weird in voice, um, it's because, yeah, I, I hit the hay really late last night. Yeah. Then I got up super early, got my hair done, because, you know, I knew I was coming on the show. <laughs> yeah, so you guys can tell from my voice, yeah. my hair's done. All around just a, a lazy kind of day, because mm. of the weather, I wasn't really moving mm. as fast as I would. You were in London last night? I actually live in London. I, I don't often venture deep outside of London to go and party it'll be the occasional you know like a friend's birthday in Romford mm. or something I think it started pretty much in Central ended up back at mine thanks to the 29 bus yeah too many beers like yeah. we've got 24 hour Polish glip which is oh, Polish right. shop where we're from they sell loads of Polish beers and yeah that was it Polish beers Artiski. Uh, Tisky and uh, the other one, Zwiz, 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 oh, the yeah. one with a Z. <laughs> green one. Uh, no, this Twisky and this, the one with a Z is like a red writing, right. blue outground and a white background. Yeah, yeah, it's like right next to Twisky and Zwisky. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you kind of forget what the names are after a while. So it was birthday last night or something? Uh, no, it wasn't anyone's birthday at all. It was just the fact that it was my first day off in ages and all of my friends decided we've got to get money's day off. I met one of them earlier on throughout the day and then later on in the evening the other one came down and before you know it there was three more yeah. 
And that's what usually happens at my place. They find out, or if he's not doing comedy and he's not working, you know, in the hospital, we can catch him at his place nine times out of ten. Mm. And, uh, yeah, there was probably a bag of weed or two that was smoked as well. So, mm. needless to say, it was a very messy night. Yeah. And you work in a hospital, you said? Yeah, I've uh, been doing it for almost a decade now, probably more. I started when I was in my early 20s. I kind of, I dabble out of quitting, if you know what I mean. Not like right. a comedian says, I'm not going to yeah. do comedy, and then two weeks later, they're on stage. I actually walked away from uh, working in a hospital because it's, you know, very serious life and death stuff. Just kind of need a break. I love what I do, man. I make people happy most of the time. It's kind of like a training for comedy. What is it though? Basically, I did pain management where patients would come in and I would take down all of their details, check their weight, whatever, pop a cannula into their arm, set them up for a drip right. with whatever pain relieving medicine would be inside the drip or mm. just prepare them for an injection. Some of them just needed pinpoint injections like acupuncture type right. stuff. In general, make them teas and coffees and make sure that their blood pressure didn't go too doolally while mm. they were swimming in a sea of ketamine listening to Hendrix. So yeah, Whoa. that was pain management. And now I've just gone into like a, a locum position. So accident and emergency, orthopedic, oncology, whatever type of wards is need, need somebody. And they're like, oh, somebody's sick or someone broke their leg. Can you come on in? I usually get a call and end up leaving my house around half eight, nine o'clock, yeah. turn up at the ward at like half nine, ten and work until 8 o'clock in the evening, which is sometimes a bummer because mm. you can't make it to certain walk-ons. And some, some promoters demand that you get there before yeah. half seven, so mm. sometimes I could miss a gig. Other times I just end up in central London wrapped around a pint. So 10 till 8-ish, then? Is it, you're, you're Mostly. If, it, if, it's, uh, if I've pre-booked it, then it's 8 till 8, so mm. it's a 12-hour stint. But, oh, yeah, um, yeah. So I like being freelance because then... I can pretend I got the text message half an hour later. Yeah. So, you know, go into the shower, rub one out, or, you know, just, just have some me time knowing that I'm about to put my body through the ringer. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great job, though. Yeah, I'm Amazing. Like, it's perfect. So, the way forward, really, because before when I was in the contract, and they say something like Edinburgh came up, and yeah. uh, I'd be like, hey, boss, can I go away for like three weeks in Scotland, you know, to not find myself, not to have any leisure, but to just try and work really hard at being a stand up comedian? Mm-hmm. Your boss would usually go, no, no, we don't want you to be creative and get ideas and delusions of grandeur and leave this position. We need you. But they don't really want you to kind of be disheartened and be like, oh, you wouldn't let me go Edinburgh, I quit. So mm-hmm. they give you a week oh, or right. two weeks. And unfortunately, if you're building up to your first run, this is where people quit their jobs and stuff mm. like that and I never wanted to be in that position so it's good that I can you know just work a buttonhood of shifts before yeah. August and disappear mm. I used to work in a hospital but nothing like that I was a porter a porter okay yeah, yeah. best thing best job I mean I want to do that best man. job ever man yeah. it is amazing like you've got oh you're you're not a doctor you're not a nurse you don't have the pressure you have to get the people where they need to get yeah. to yeah. and you have to know about gas and all like, basic stuff yeah you're at a high risk of getting MRSA anytime yeah. like anyone who works in a hospital mm-hmm. but it, it was the best job I'd ever had. And I was in doing my degree at the time. And I was like, oh man, I could, I could live in this job forever. For a long time. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, I, I mean, okay, you're not using your brain, but you can do other stuff, like mm-hmm. whatever, in your time off. And But that was like the best job. And, you know, you're, the nurses were there. And, and you're like, you know, they love the porters. Because yeah. you're like, oh, hey, dude. Because we're all relaxed and stuff. Yeah. And we're trying to get people around. Yeah. Like, amazing job. I swear. You should, and like, the thing is, because like yeah. you said, you're, you walk into a ward with a smile on your face. And mm. then there's a nurse who just looks like she's ready to absolutely explode. <laughs> she sees you in a smile. You're like, hey, honey, what's up? Yeah. And for a moment, 
like it is it is good because you know the doctors walking with their own kind of smarmy smile like hey I'm, I played a round of golf this weekend ha <laughs> ha uh, whereas you guys coming a bit more natural like listen do you want me to get you some oxygen yeah. uh, let me get that for you and it's like you know they do love the porters yeah. Yeah. and so you're trying to, you, you, and if you don't if you don't get on with the porters you'll get nothing yes you know absolutely uh, I called for a port half an hour ago if you were nice to Dave you know what I mean <laughs> maybe yeah. Exactly. yeah I can see that everyone's got their own clickstone hospital and like, you're right and they all stick together the porters which is yeah. very very good and the other thing you said was the pressure is off because when the crash call goes off and everyone's scrambling to save a life the porters are just like well let me just go in there nonchalantly grab some oxygen and <laughs> put it in the middle of the aisle someone's grabbed it okay let me just yeah. grab the defib and you know they exactly. can just very calmly go about it. just take the brakes off the trolley and we're yeah. going to uh, intensive care now okay we should call the lift yeah we've yeah. called the lift it's coming it's coming right, yeah. here we go that is it and everyone else around him is panicking yeah. exactly it's a very good observation actually I wear an hospital I keep forgetting how calm under fire they are if you said you were doing a degree I did a degree in, uh, in video I was talking to another comic and he was like, I know what failure is like. I've done oh, degree in video. Is it like what, video editing or... Oh, yeah, everything. Like video editing, filming, uh, all that stuff. But I did my degree in Wolverhampton. The English government paid for the, the course because yeah. I think just probably guilt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, degree in, in medicine. No, bio, not exactly. Uh, no, health studies and then afterwards nursing. But I, it wasn't a degree, it was a diploma at the time. Right. I actually don't have any degrees, no. so to speak of. I, I like how... Just close enough, I hit the 180 on like the darts, right. but I unfortunately hit a double 20 at the end. So it's like right. oh, 140 or 60, <laughs> whatever. And they was like, oh, you're so close. Yeah. So the idea was me in higher education, I, I always wanted a degree, but after my first stint, um, like studying for I think two, three years in a row, I got kind of lethargic of right. having to endeavor to get books and, and, and just spend a lot of my time not earning money and not enjoying myself. So I found that after doing the nursing and stuff, there was obviously a bereavement as well. Right. But I decided to leave London for a while and reset. I went to Florida for about six months. That was pretty eye-opening for me. Right. And by the time I came back, I kind of started putting the steps towards being an entertainer. I thought yeah. I went back into acting, basically. Right. I just knew that for some reason, I didn't want to work... Yeah. And I felt like going to uni was only preparing me for being in a higher position of work. Yeah, yeah I just kind of shied away from it. And what was the, was your mom or dad or what was your bereavement or was your uh, No, it was my eldest brother, biological brother from my mom and dad. But unfortunately, like my, my mom and dad, they weren't really together when I was growing up. So mm-hmm. it meant that when I left my house, I was already 17, right. moved into my flat. And my brother, as my brothers and I were kind of separated anyway for a long period. So uh, let's just say they, he wasn't really prevalent in my life when he died. Mm-hmm. I only saw him maybe three or four times that year. But when he did die, it was like, it was weird. I had to get the entire family back together. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that film uh, with Chris Rock, Death in the Family. It's very much like that. I was meeting family members that was like a, an old senile version of Danny Glover. I had like mm-hmm. a... Like, there's definitely, like, the Richard Pryor uncle who's very mm. drunk and, oh, my God, he's going to say some words now. Jesus Christ, everyone, hold on to your seats. Uh, there was a woman that was at the funeral that no and no one knew who she was. And everyone, right. I kept asking everyone, who is she? They're like, oh, isn't she a member of... No, I don't know who she is. I knew this woman was different because everyone else in the funeral was wearing dark clothes. She's wearing, like, a... Like, she just came off of the, uh, I don't know, uh, Al Capoco mm. uh, cruise, you know what I mean? She's wearing, like, this bright colours. Right. And so we get to the point where it's like, you know, everyone's saying some words and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And we're walking past the casket and everyone's like laying the roses and stuff. 
and she just starts bawling like oh my god I can't believe this has happened it's, mm. it's too soon he was so young mm. and I just asked I was like mum who is this woman who is she and mm. mum's like I don't know I thought you knew so I blocked it out and we're getting in limousines we're going now to you know the we're burying him now and everyone's singing gospel songs because that's what they do in my mm. family we're Caribbean everyone's putting on the bits of dirt and stuff like that and the, the priest is like we're all going to go off and have the little you know the wake the party whatever it is and as we're all leaving, everyone's like, she's uh, still standing by the grave and crying. I'm like, why is she? I mean, I, yeah. I don't know who this woman is. I don't even think my brother knew who she was. So we get to the bit now, everyone's having food. We're just the sing-along now, everyone's yeah. dancing. We're playing good music. We've uh, got all of his favourite songs on. And we're at the table, and I'm, I'm picking up my like, two pieces of chicken. I don't really want to eat that much. And I remember looking over, and she's like talking to people like, well, it's a nice spread, but, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of missing a bit of crunch. It could do with some more crunch, you know. <laughs> Actually, he's a cucumber. Yeah. And I just lost it. I was like, I'm sorry. Listen, I'm, I, I like the fact that everyone's here. But could someone tell me who the fuck she is? Who is she? <laughs> who, who does she come with? Who knows her? Yeah. I just want to be able to know how she got here. And no one knew who she was. Whoa. She was just one of these funeral crashes. No! <laughs> and, yeah, she, and it was, for me, this was a moment where I knew I had to be a comedian. Like, Because yeah. I was going to go off on her totally. but I was like well you know I feel like um, you've, you've definitely added some colour to today yeah. uh, uh, without you probably we wouldn't be this happy uh-huh. but um, with that said um, we're going to hook you up with a goodie bag and uh, the family is all going to give you a hug on your way out and uh, yeah. she goes oh really goes, yeah 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 this is just for mm. for us we're going to say some real dark shit now we're going to talk about how bad of a person he was because you know that's what family can do but you never knew him mm. so we want to keep it in the family so mm. if it's okay we'd like to talk shit about this person who's just passed away yeah. and uh, she's like but he was your brother I was like yeah who better to talk shit about him yeah. so, so could you please go and she ended up leaving yeah. and uh, that's the one thing I'm taking from like me becoming a comedian is the fact that I was thrust into a situation in the midst of craziness yeah. and I somehow managed to not lose it mm. and just kind of tactfully you know, deal with an entire room full of people based on one audience member. So I think I've, I'm heckle free for like. Yeah, I think you've won that, definitely. Yeah. You, 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 you took the humour route, which I like. Fair play, man. Yeah, That's yeah, good yeah. going, especially yeah. in that high volatile situation. Oh, God, yeah. She was dressed for a cruise by the same Definitely. Of it. it seemed like she just saw a lot of people. Yeah, she just saw like a lot of people walking there at church. It's like, well, mm. maybe it's like, you know, service. Then when she saw like the casket, she's like, well, let me just blend in. And yeah. I was like, it was at that point where I started noticing her, like, mm. who's this woman? I can just see like you know trying to her shoulders down even though yeah. she's tall as wow. but uh, you know that giraffe lady with the wonderful dress she got a good meal and uh, yeah, yeah. she managed to send off my brother which was good you were still hospitable fair play to you yeah I, I situation. Did. and up to that point I'd already told certain people you know like you've got cancer or mm. uh, this is, he's going to have to face treatment which is really you know mm. I've told bad news to people before so meeting up with the whole family getting my mum and my dad together mm. after years and I was like well, you know mm. been a while since you guys seen each other isn't it yeah. so it's uh, I, I found my my defence mechanism is humour <laughs> yeah. um, and I think uh, as human beings we're always going to be put in a, a very uncomfortable situation whether we like it or not it. I feel like the best of us can just turn it on its head and make it slightly funny for him. you know what I mean Totally. Yeah. So, and what part of the Caribbean are you from? Um, Jamaica, but oh, yeah. it's uh, it's it's odd because my mum uh, is Jamaican Cuban and mm. my father's Jamaican Chinese, so uh, I'm mixed up. Yeah, yeah. Because on a Friday it would be like you know ethnic night. We're yeah. supposed to eat something really you know something exotic because we're already from somewhere exotic. We just mm. had fish and chips. Yeah. Just, what else was there to have? <laughs> do you know what I mean? With some Chinese in us. We've done jerk chicken chow mein with paper. That's it. That's it. Let's just beige the shit out of this. Mm. Yeah, look, look, we've, we've done all that. We've, the world is beige now. Right. If you think totally. about it, totally. everyone's got a spice in their in their in their cabinet or yeah. something like that. That's true. Or at least they get a uni. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? 
have you ever dated a, a, a girl outside of you know like Irish? Well, I'm married to uh, an Indian Gujarati Indian woman. Okay, wonderful. And uh, that's her Indian mother there. That you okay, just saw. yeah, love that's, that's that's it's an interesting uh, mix for sure. But yeah, sure, man. I've you know I've uh, I've dated a few different ethnicities in my time. Yeah, yeah, it's great. You know, that's it. Um, that, you know? I like to say I've dabbled in decorative dames before. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> tread very carefully with yeah, this. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was like, oh, please let these words come out correct. <laughs> I tend to uh, not think about them as they come out. I just hope they all. Land. Totally. Yeah, on the blind box. Not look at them like they're just a selection of, of chocolates or or, no. or or meats or whatever but it is we'd like to though, try. Even though men are happy to be in that category, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's it. Well, you know, but we can't appear to be that way. We have to pretend not to be that way, isn't or it? Sensitive meat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, it's true. You know, tenderize it first. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's even worse. It's also more serial killer. But oh anyway, um, so yeah, that sounds like a very high pressure job you're in as well. Like, a lot of stuff you got to really kind of shove down the kind of like, be professional. Oh, yeah, you keep yourself together and definitely give delivering bad news and hopefully sometimes good news. Is yeah, yeah good news? definitely. Oh, oh, there's loads of good news. Yeah. There's loads of good news. Like, don't worry, sir, it is not too much. It's just a okay. benign mole. Get oh, out of here. Amazing. Yeah, a lot of the time people will come in with uh, something which they've read off the internet, like, oh. I've been sweating. But I blame them probably watching American TV or like watching mm. the wrong kind of stuff where it's like do you have this have you ever gone to sleep tired and woke up you know refreshed yes I have <laughs> you are normal <gasps> what's yeah. the cure you mm. can be erratic and take this pill and it'll make you know. mm. um, I feel people are waiting for something so that they could take a week off of work I feel yeah. like everyone's tired if you catch them at the right time most people will become the sum of their symptoms mm. I've told people listen you've got this and you're going to have to have treatment for a couple of years they're like alright cool can I still go to Wrestlemania I'm like yeah bro then that's them they're like listen if it's not stopping me from doing this as far as I'm concerned you haven't told me anything give me the tablets and I'll go on my way mm. and other people just kind of shut down and I think it's because they're so busy working family and stuff like that you're telling them you're going to have to take a break for a moment and they can't comprehend that. Mm. So it's not really bad news per se. It's just you have to let them know that it's not the end. Mm-hmm. You can easily push through this as oh, long as you've got some fight in you. That's positive. And you went to Florida after that? Yeah. yeah what, it, what was that? What did you do? Um, so my aunt lives in Fort Lauderdale, which is pretty much a beach. It's all lovely. It's all not quite Miami Vice, but mm-hmm. it's close enough. So I thought... That's the perfect slice of, you know, distraction I could do. Yeah. Also broke up with a girlfriend I was with for a few years and my very first girlfriend. So mm. it was like, uh, I'm not really, I'm not really uh, brave enough to sling dick in London. I feel like if I go to America, I can just <laughs> frivolously throw my man me around. And, uh, and that's what I did. It wasn't even just the accent. It was the fact that it was hot yeah. and I was uh, kind of in rebound mode. So I had a lot of fun. So my uh, young wild oats, yeah. and uh, I went to Florida, Miami, sorry, I went to Miami, Florida, mm. just to see what the scene was like, and I was blown away. I yeah. mean, I saw one comedy show, and I was like, how the hell do I get near enough yeah. the ability to be able to come back to this country and perform? So mm-hmm. that was very tough, because it was like, I, I went back to the drawing board, and mm. then I realized how you break into London gigs and stuff, mm. but I had a little strategy from then. And I just went from bar to bar and spoke to strangers. Mm. And I found that I was making strangers laugh. So I was like, I'm onto something here yeah. at least. So it was just a lot of soul searching and a lot of beers. Yeah, and the, your accent over there must have got you an awful lot of um, entertainment. Yeah, definitely. But I think because I've got a way of going either into Caribbean mm-hmm. so that I can sound like from Fort Lauderdale to the Jamaica... It's an hour and a half flight, mm. and I think that's why my aunt chose there to live. Mm. So there's loads of Jamaicans there, and I could have just got past. There's like their typical Jamaican, you know, dude. 
I instead decided to start off American and as they thought I was one of them, just hit the English at the very end. Uh, and those breaks would make people fall off of their chairs. It would be like, what? Oh my God. Like, wait a minute. Are you actually American and you did an English accent or are you actually English and you've been impersonating an American? <laughs> I was like, which one will make you less unhappy? Yeah. But it would yeah. fuck with them and I'd like doing that. Uh, in New York was the best because in New York I spent the entire time as American and I figured let me see if my accent can work so I can go on an audition yeah. and fool these fuckers yeah. and uh, New York's a lot more gullible because I feel like it's such a melting pot and muddleness of American accents that they had no idea where I was from yeah. and for me it's like hey listen I need the MTA to uh, Grand Portland Station where am I going and they're like uh, just take this one over here and take number 16 I'm like thanks dude and yeah. never questioned it once I'm like oh, so, wait say that again yeah they couldn't pick it up. So, uh, yeah, America for me was just how I can turn myself into someone else, mm. disguise myself and get rid of, you know. Do you get many other accents apart, like, apart from that? Do you do impressions as well in your act? You mean on stage? Yeah. Oh, not really, you know. I mean, I don't know if I've even got the comedy format down properly. I know it's really hard. It's, it's, it's like going back to English school again. Mm. You have to learn how to format sentences and paragraphs mm. and, and your grammar's got to be on point. So for me, I figured start off with just... 25 minutes of introducing yourself to the crowd and then after that good jokes will build out these stories Mm. and so it was mostly stories and in that there's only really room for one or two Caribbean people maybe Mm -hmm. and an English teacher so I've just kept it pretty much who I am Uh, a lot of people said you should probably do more uh, impressions and I want to do them justice I don't want to just stand up and do nothing so who knows Mm. Uh, definitely before uh, Edinburgh I will have about 10 minutes of impressions I just need to work out how that fits in with my narrative mm. right now yeah just, you just play with it and see what comes up isn't absolutely it? to a good enough time to be like oh this is where's this voice come from exactly oh, realise it's a wrestling problem <laughs> stop it you're scary people but yeah, there's, yeah. Uh, there's tons of them I like the American accents though they, they're, they're kind of fun you said wrestling are you mad into wrestling as well or? oh of course I mean like uh, any kid growing up with like you know single mum three, three brothers just tearing up a household yeah my mum would just stick wrestling on it yeah. for some reason <laughs> you'd think it would not calm the kids down yeah. but all it did was just download us with more fuckery yeah. moves to do to each other when we were at school <laughs> and outside so we would just fixate ourselves and learn all of these moves and yeah wrestling was very popular back in the day my uncle who's like what 65 still watches it yeah yeah ridiculously so he's like big finger oh yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> and he's, he, he's he's the guy that's like he's telling me what's going on he goes what? like you know the rock is back I'm like wait 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 yeah. oh, uncle what you're a grown man <laughs> you should not be watching don't you dare talk about wrestling I'll get you in a power bomb I was like okay uncle you will yeah. you will slam me across this room <laughs> but um, it's family entertainment and it's always been in our family so to that extent yeah one of my jokes is uh, based on a, a wrestling move yeah. Tombstone Power Driver oh right yeah yeah yes, well, oh yes yes, yes I remember that yeah, yeah. yes that's right that's all uh, yeah. <laughs> that's a big finishing move <laughs> exactly, exactly it was my closer for a long time and yeah. I had to remove it from the side because everyone was yeah. like do you always close do you always finish with that joke I was like I don't want to call it my finisher but it is <laughs> so, it's uh, climax yeah. and it's fun when you know you've had a you've had a cl- I mean I've had this closer for like I had it for maybe a year and a half and then I just moved it to the middle mm. and then at one point it was how I opened my eyes. yeah and now I'm getting to a point where, like, my new closer is no longer my closer. Yeah. So I'm no longer relying on my big laugh. I'm looking for my next big laugh. Yeah, and great. That's scary shit, man. Yeah, man. That's it. And when, when did you start? I probably started four years ago, August. So this year would make it, I think, five. But yeah. if I'm being honest with myself, I started four years ago. Slinging Mike, sorry, four years ago. Um, I love you say slinging dick and slinging mic slinging sling sling <laughs> mic it's, it's an extension the only two things I've got to me you know what I mean I'm just happy one of the corners the idea that I've done it every single day or every week of the year is a fallacy or is, is false mm. I've 
done probably podcasts on days that I haven't gone out and done my gig. I've gone to other people's gigs mm. and I've done things outside of comedy. So I, I have a healthy balance. I think I do six months solid of comedy. The other six months I live and dabble in and out of stage time because I'm still learning. I don't think I'm even at a stage where I've impressed myself yet. I, I hate every time we go off a stage mm. and people tell me I'm good. I'm like, if you're either doing that because you know I'm struggling and you've been nice to me to give me some self-esteem or you really have no idea how much I'm going to go home and not sleep thanks to this because I thought I did terrible and I would expect no one to say anything mm. so I can just walk out mm. with my own thoughts. But then it means that, well, if they like something about it, what aren't you liking about it? And mm. that takes me a long time to find out. It's like, I know that I get the same thing when someone says that they like the stuff, you know, sometimes when I really felt that I hadn't done well mm. and someone says this to me, I'm, there's only been a couple of times when I've really kind of gone, when someone says he did well, but like, why are you telling me why, that? Yeah. Why are you telling I mean, that's just my own paranoia. I know, like, I should just go, yeah, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. And then you should walk away from that person because they're going to say something that's going to ruin that moment that you're, they're, they're giving you a little bit, if you can believe it, a little bit of kudos. You're like, just take it up, thank you and then just put it with the rest of the, the hate that you've got for yourself. And it, w- it won't help it, but it'll be there with it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's That's just, a great way of looking at it. They're all the same. It's like the hate and the love at exactly the same level, you know, just, just over there. You want to be self-aware, of course. Absolutely. That's it. And it's like but, you said, you're, the way you're like, a, you're like you administrate I the do love now. and hate. I yeah, do you now. do now, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> like, I, I don't know why I can't take compliments properly. Yeah. Uh, even when people compliment you on your appearance and stuff like that, I'm like, oh, shut up. Mm. It's just, it's something weird with me. But oh. the way you just said, well, if you just put it in the same, like, you know, like an evidence locker in the police totally. thing, like, you've just got a nice little love bomb there sitting yeah. next to all this other, you know, bad stuff. Who knows? It might permeate and just, yeah. you can look at it later. I might look, exactly. I might look in that drawer when I'm feeling really bad. Oh, did they, they <laughs> say, good, okay. I walked away at the right time. Oh, this other drawer. Oh, I didn't walk away at the right uh, time. And they no. ruined it. Oh, I'll, I'll lock that one and not look at it again. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think as you grow older, it's easier to look at stuff, isn't it? Yeah, right? That's it. When you're young, you just it just cackies you in the face. Yeah, like, totally. Oh, we didn't get my mouth. Like, totally, re- <laughs> totally react as well. It's like like Bruce Lee. <sighs> yeah, exactly. Like, <sighs> <laughs> you might have had hepatitis. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bruce Lee had that look on his face. Jesus, God damn it, MRS. <laughs> um, and how old are you? Uh, I'm 32 years old. Oh, right. Yeah, I'm gonna be yeah. 30. 33 in September, yeah. 33. You're, 80, you're the 80s kid as well, that's fine. Yeah, 1984 same old, same. or 4. Um, yeah. I mm. love the 80s movies, mm. love the 90s music. Chuck Norris all the way then. Chuck Norris up to a certain point. Yeah. There was, I mean, Bruce Lee for me was my favourite. Jackie Chan was a very close second. Then there was all these other, I know, swashbuckling, chop socky cocksuckers that was out there back in the day. Yeah. Like, I remember No Retreat, No Surrender, yeah. uh, Ring of Fire. There was loads of these movies like, Fuck Stevens ago. Yeah. There's so many movies and you go to the blockbuster martial mm. arts section and there's just mm. too many movies. That's it. And that's so, how I got fixated on that, yeah. Yeah, same like Delta Force 1, 2 oh and 3. God, yeah. Terrible, terrible I mean, movies. You can't get worse than like, you know, we talk about sequels that went out of control. Mm. Death Wish 1 was amazing. Mm. Jeff Goldblum. Mm. The, the, in many ways, it's like America's version of Clockwork Orange without the rehabilitation of this guy, you know. Yeah. Uh, but it was, it was Charles... Bronson, isn't it? Yeah, just going crazy with the revolver. Mm. And now you think about what's our modern day death wish, and it's pretty much well, one, two, three, four, and five. It will be Steven Seagal's movies. He's got like a version of Death Wish. Stallone probably had his own version. Mm. It's been played out that formula. Yeah. So who's our who's our new modern day <laughs> Charles Bronson? Who who is it? It's, it's like it's. Well, I say the modern one. They've they've tried to uh, they've tried to hook in. Jason Statham haven't I knew they? he was going to say that that's yeah, it because yeah, yeah. like, they've done well, transport you know. it, and the mechanic because the transport was definitely mm. 
no, no pun intended, the vehicle for going, moving him towards the mechanic. Yes. And the mechanic, he Have didn't you fucking really up work. cast and fixing them. <laughs> <You're> totally. <laughs> I like that. But he didn't really, he didn't really think that, like, because you saw him in the mechanic, you, know, you were kind of going, he doesn't, he, he just looks too oafish yeah. to fit that, that role of like, oh, I'm just going to, you know. I didn't actually watch the mechanic. Oh, I saw it. about yeah. 10 minutes of it and I was like, oh, I can't yeah. watch this anymore, this is terrible. Because Charles Bronson's one was like, he would set up shit so that you ended up killing yourself. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, if you knew the guy had a bad heart, you'd have like, I don't know, like a, a radio just cotching on top of a shower head. And mm. the moment he got in the shower, it would just fall in and electrocute him, pacemaker flies out of his chest. So like Charles Bronson set it up. Whereas with Jason Statham, like you said, it's oafish. He's just like, yeah. he's going to beat the shit out of him with his kung fu. So that's exactly it. But Denzel Washington can still like, well, I saw the equalizer mm. and I felt like he's old, but he somehow managed to pull off an old guy doing action. Mm. Liam Nielsen not so much like yeah, 25 <laughs> was it 25 <laughs> taken taken what taken 5 now this yeah. oh, they show, remember they showed him jumping over the fence oh, so it's like in John Wick they show one continuous shot of him jumping over something mm. but with Taken they show 25 different shots <laughs> to show you that this is how long it takes Liam Nielsen to jump over oh, a fence no. and get down and Terrible. oh that's oh. it yeah. yeah. So you were into Bruce Lee and stuff. You did like uh, martial arts and stuff. Yeah, like classic action and, and like John Claude Van Damme and stuff like that. I mean, I think Kickboxer was the first film I ever saw. Totally. Um, on VHS, and it was my uncle's, and I was only like eight years old. I was mm. really young, way too young to watch it. I remember feeling sick when his brother got paralysed. Oh yeah. I'd never seen or known about people not being able to walk. So this was like a bit of reality for me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, wait, he can't walk because the guy just elbowed him in the back. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, the city thought in my head was like, if I'm ever in school and some dude's trying to fuck with me, I'm just going to elbow him in the back. Yeah. So as a kid, like I was learning how to maim, which was mm-hmm. weird. Yeah. You'd think I'd be scared or thrown back from it. After watching all these martial arts films, I kind of had this sense of responsibility of not only my body, but to defend it in case somebody wanted to fuck it up. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. But yeah, I was always into action movies because yeah. it was probably the only movies outside of Disney that taught me about real consequence. Yeah, and then, well, that's that's, that's fair play, man. That's deep, man. You've got, you really went into it. I was just like, oh, blood. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. And the guy <laughs> beat the sh- he cut down a palm tree with his leg. Exactly. And yeah. then he did cry afterwards, but oh, obviously. God, he was yeah. like, he was screaming and like his shin was in a mess. Yeah. But, but it set up the love angle, isn't it? While she's like wiping down his leg, like he's looking at her like, well, you know. <laughs> that old chestnut, it hurts, please kiss it better. Yeah, no, <laughs> that old chestnut. That's it, that old yeah. yeah, man. So you, you, where did you first gig? Uh, Cavendish Arms, I mm. think, was my, my first gig. I was, uh, uh, it was after work. I was with work colleague oh. and a friend and uh, he dabbled in comedy and he said oh I don't have any I'll just go down there mm. I brought my friends down with me because it was a bringer so you needed them um, I'm more than happy to share how terrible my, my opening joke was uh, this okay. was around Lent oh, uh, so okay. it's around now I suppose isn't it because yeah, it's really Lent just, yeah. uh, a few people went up and said some Lent jokes so I thought I'm not going to write anything I'm just going to go off the cuff and it right. was terrible so I was like yeah so uh my girlfriend's been kind of lazy because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm an all-round type of love guy. You know, I take care of her, I cook for her, but I'm also very special in the bedroom. And I found that she's getting a bit lazy and complacent. You know, she's mm. uh, she's no longer, like, making me a sandwich when I ask her to, you know, mm. really, like, blah, blah, blah. And to cut a long story short, I said, I'm giving up, uh, you know, cunning lingus for, for Len. I'm giving up pussy eating. And it's not because she enjoys it. I enjoy it more. But I can go without one of my pleasures knowing full well that when those 40 days and 40 nights are over, we're both going to appreciate God <laughs> afterwards. She's going to appreciate saying, calling his name out, and I'm going to appreciate going back down on her. Yeah. Because she probably would have been up making me a sandwich on day 39. So anyway, it was a mm. terrible joke. 
And I just remember the people recoiling when I said giving up pussy because I didn't say cunningling as I said yeah, pussying. Yeah. And everyone's faces went back like, look at this like 14-year-old talking... Like, Under 14? You know, no, no, no. Because I looked oh, young, yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. a lot of people didn't know my age and I've gone up there, you know. I think it was ba- way too vulgar. They hadn't even got used to the idea of who's this young-looking person yeah. talking about eating pussy. Of course, um, yeah, yeah. And so I kind of drew back on that and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, I never spoke about pussy for maybe another two and a half years, and then I was brave enough to talk about you know the standard sixty niners. But um, yeah. yeah, it was it was weird. I just I had this way of talking to loads of people off stage where I was mm. always forward, direct, and uh, sexual in your endo at times. But you know, I'm I'm, I'm not a dirty comic. I'm mm. a dirty guy. Like mm-hmm. I have a certain type of humour which very quickly I might just jump somewhere and it's usually funny mm. so I figured take that person up on stage and I realised you got to have a bit of tact mm. you got you got you got to have them take their own hand and pull it in the warm water before peeing themselves and yeah, yeah. kind of did it the other way around <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah okay right. so uh, make friends with them first kind of thing yeah, yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. absolutely That's let cool. them let them it's got to be complicit it's not an easy room though that there's a bit of a click there too mm-hmm. and yes. you know you know yourself you go and do a couple of gigs here like you do too and like oh well, this isn't really Okay, it's for people who've only done it like holy starring, which is fine. But mm. then people, there's certain people that go there again yeah. and again, mm-hmm. and they their friends are other comics who go there again and again, and so they'll win it one time, and it's rent a crowd at that stage. Yes, so, look, if you vote for me, son, I'll vote for you the next time, and it's really like that. And so, like you, you learn very quickly that that is not a gig. Yeah, who was the person that you saw? when you were like oh man I, can do, I want to do that did you remember the name of the guy that you saw in front uh, it wasn't so much I saw him and then I was like I, I can do that it was the fact that I saw him and I went fuck me mm. this is this is the kind of British comedy but also it was a black comedian as well mm. and I figured at this stage every black comedian was either a caricature of a rude boy so you know like militant black guy and I figured it was like is it going to be like I look at all these guys and think I'm gonna I'm gonna have to turn what I think is funny into this? Mm. But then I saw Dane Baptiste perform, mm. and I was like, well, he's deadpan at a moment, then he's really hyper at another moment, and then he's freaking dry at another moment, and he's darker, and he's. I just thought the joke writing was phenomenal, mm. and I was like, if I can do half of what this guy has done, I saw him like my first time when I went to Up the Creek. Mm. Uh, I was blown away. And then second one I saw was Prince Abdi. Because mm. with Prince Abdi, when I first saw him, we were both doing TNT, mm. which is uh, Tuesday Night Torianos, uh, kind of famous uh, like open mic gig in North London. And he had a notepad, massive notepad, and you'd go on stage and you'd tell a joke, and he'd pretend that he was crossing him out. <laughs> but he knew, because he had the jokes there, he was like, I'm going to tell it as it is. Mm. One-liners, soliloquy, and I was like, this guy's fucking amazing. And he's, He's not breaking the fourth wall, but he's not hiding the fact that I know this is a keeper. This is a keeper. Mm. Kind of self-confident and self-aware in what he was doing. Mm. So I just said those two were the first kind of comics that made me go, you're funny anyway, but get to a point where you're confident enough to be whatever you want to be, mm. as these two have kind of shown you it can be done. So yeah, definitely Dane Baptiste and Prince Abdi. Mm. Was there anyone like on the, the kind of on TV or anything like that? You went, oh man, I'd get- yeah, TV. Or, or well, do you think that there were other, uh, there were more? They were the first two that you saw. Well, no, th- this was they were the first two, like in terms of English comedy. And I was like yeah. watching a set um, in London, and I saw them, and I was like, well, wow, it's, it's tangible because if I was in the front row, 
maybe a bead of spit would have hit my forehead. Wow. So I'm like, I've been great. touched by the comedy <laughs> yeah. great ones. Now it's going to permeate into my pituitary and I can do this. Yeah. Um, but I figured my first... Shaking his hand out. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. God, I'm jerking off with that. Watching it. Uh, I've heard people have done that. Um, oh. But the... For me, I think it was Patrice O'Neill then, yeah. as a comic from like on TV, because right. I was shocked. I, I I'd followed him his comedy, but I didn't know his name, mm. and I heard one of his closers, the Pepsi Cola rapist joke, mm. fucking made me die years before I actually knew his real name. Mm. So I'd heard his comedy, gone to America, come back, started doing comedy here, and then I found out this dude had died, and I was wow. like, well, wait a minute, he can't be the same guy. Found it was him, mm. and then started just binging on all of his stuff. Yeah. I just loved how not give a fuck this guy was. Mm. And he went from being like one of the most underrated comics mm. to now, since he's died, everyone's talked about him. Mm. So he was definitely one of those ones that I saw on the TV where I was like, gee, if I can just, if I can just become a regular, not even mm. a paid, but if I can just have like 10 or 20 minutes Three nights a week, I'm fucking... That's me, mm-hmm. I'm happy. Yeah. It was pretty much based on his comedy because he had a way of just like... If he wanted to get his philosophy out, he'd get it out. Mm. And I figured if I really want to make people happy, I have to be able to get it out. Mm. I have a message, I just don't know, yeah. you know how to get out. Yeah. And what is it you, gotta, what, what do you want to say? What is it for now you want to say? Just anything that irks you or...? Uh, like, you remember the Stretch Armstrong toy? Yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, you know, I know he was like this white dude like you know and I don't know jockstrap whatever he was yeah. wearing but I figured there was a black stretch Armstrong out there, mm. you know and, and that was me I was supposed to have arms really big enough to just wrap around the world mm. and give the actual planet hug because mm. people you know en masse can become panicky finicky mm. uh, false whatever you want to call it negative aspects of life but this planet has just shown me one thing you go to another country, you see people happy with nothing. You go to other countries, you see people absolutely miserable with everything. And there's a balance to it all. And if I can just hug all of the bullshit mm. out of like just everyone mm. and just tell them, listen, I love you all. Even if you're crazy, stupid, whatever, I'm just here to just say, let's have some fun, please. And mm. make sure that this hug is so fucking, mm. ugh, so tight that mm. people just, you know, they begin to sweat out all of that. Negativity. negativity hatred mm. distrust intolerance mm. and it's going to come very very small but I'm not going to run for obvious I'm not going to be the next Martin Luther King I know there is about 10 shooters on the roof mm. waiting for the next guy to come along and say hey everyone mm. let's love each other and world peace you're going to be you're going to be destined for a body bag I mean, <laughs> yeah it's really it's bad it. like that and uh, I figured the best way of actually making a stance is not being like a Martin Luther mm. King not running for office but being an entertainer because mm. people want to be entertained yeah. And in the new age of 2017, you've got to be liked. So yeah. I feel like if it's better I let people like themselves, then in turn, I can be liked for reminding them to like themselves instead of, like me, I'm funny. Yeah, uh, you get more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. That sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sweet to people, and they'll be hopefully be nice back to you. And if they're not, well, that's fine. You just don't talk to them again, isn't it? That's yeah. what it is. You're, it's not even right into the stand-up really, isn't it? you just got to be you, be the best you can be. When you're on a bill, you have to... It's all part of the team. Now, this person who was talking about is it was a wrestler, okay, right? And he was saying that you know because he's a wrestler that it's all part of a team. You're working choreography, and if you don't get the moves right, someone could get hurt. Yes, and like so when he took that mentality, he was into his wrestling massively. Uh, Martin Huburn is what he was on this as well, and he was saying that you know you're gonna get hurt. So if you do, if you're on a bill and you're in the middle spot, and then someone's got the headliner, you know what the jokes are doing. And you have a joke that's similar to the headliners. 
do you go ahead and do your joke of that on that night yes. and it's a great joke and you ruin the headliners maybe middle bit or whatever it is and wherever it is you've got to be the best you can be yeah. and that headliner is going to be the best they can be and if they're worth their salt they can go look they've done that joke I'm dropping it I'm going to do something else yeah or you know? riff on it as well yeah exactly or, or <coughs> you know and if, but if the and, and it's like if the middle act has kind of blown it away and hammered it and gone whoa we know why we booked this guy now and, and the headliner can go hey look didn't he fucking do well this guy is fucking amazing. Give it up, and, yeah. and it shows that they're not afraid. It's true. And you just got to be the best you can be, and go look. No, worry about it. Look, you, they'll, they're going to people going to make their own minds up. You can't change it. So at the moment, you're being the funniest person you can be, and you're writing the jokes as best they can be, so people can connect to you. And go look, these are my jokes, guys. You can talk to me afterwards, and we can properly get together and yeah. get to know each other. That's it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. And, and so you're writing your hour show. Is that right for this year? Oh God, no. I, I'm, I'm. I could probably try and take it to 45, but I'm going for a half hour, and it's not even to really come out until I think I want to do end of the year, so that it's something that comes out either New Year's or early next year. In terms of, I'm going to use Edinburgh, Brighton, and Camden Fringe as my preview time, mm. as knocking out all of these jokes. So I'm going to do it in kind of a semi-long format, so 15 minutes. And if I can get the chunks down properly, any new jokes that are added into it, there's a through line and it's pretty much from fetus to 30. Mm. And I need to be able to somehow encapsulate like my first love, my middle love, which was girls, and then my, my love that I'm now constantly pursuing, which is comedy. And the through line has to be, you know, what's the funny of me from age 1 to 10 and then mm. what's the funny for me from age 10 to 20 mm. and then the last 10 years my 30s you know mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's it's been a bitch to write I tell mm. you that I don't know why I put so much pressure on myself but I figured if I can just introduce myself get that done record it for it on YouTube mm. I can focus on trying to get this other th- these other things that are you know mm these other messages that I'm trying to get out there. So yeah, half an hour special. Uh, pretty much anyone who's going to see me from now is going to be hearing mm. some of the newest stuff they've probably ever heard me do. Mm. And it's basically to get ready for this half hour special. Cool. And what's the name of it? Is it, is it called From Fetus to 30? That's <laughs> quite a catchy little name. Right? Um, should we just call that the working title that's for great. now? Yeah, From, from Fetus, Fetus to 30. 30. That's yeah, great. yeah, yeah. That's great. My night's From Fetus to 30. That's the, yeah. that's the working title. I might not even go with it. The other one might have to be reserved for the uh, hour special, but yeah. Right. Yeah. Nice. And uh, have you got a room in Edinburgh this year? I'm not, no. I've, uh, I'm going down for two other people's shows. Mm. And then I'm just going to just try and scrape away and do as many guest spots. Mm. Um, I'm going to try and secure a room in Brighton, that's for sure. And I'm also going to be, uh, you know Rick Mojo? Yep. He's doing his uh, second special. Now, his first one, uh, Self-Indulgent Rick, yeah. uh, is already uh, out now, I think, on iTunes and YouTube. So mm. he told me he wants me to be on his next one in terms mm. of we're going to do a little promo at the beginning. And I think I'm going to be going around with him for some of the previews. So you'll be able to see me there as well. Great. When you were in school and stuff, did you like to get to this performance dream that you've got? I think did always. Did you do, like, what did, what, what did you start? Like, I think you... I was, I was, uh, I was Joseph. That was the first, yeah, like, yeah. The, the first guy in history to not sling big. Um, That's it. How the um, fuck did this happen? Hey, yeah, exactly. hey Mary, come yeah. on. Hey, hey, what's going on? I'm, I'm a white guy. I mean, he, 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 he kind of looks like me, but... Jesus was black. We all look yeah. like this. Exactly, yeah. How is my kid black? <laughs> yeah, that would be... That's a perfect sketch. Joseph's asking Mary, listen, I know you said this is God's kid, but why is he black? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's... Um, I, I played Joseph first. The second one was... 
oh god it was like a, like a mother goose or something like that right. yeah. uh, I think I was going to make me bubbles I managed to play Makusho inside uh, year seven's Romeo and Juliet yeah. and after that it was all extra work oh. so I wasn't doing any proper acting because oh. I was working uh, so I was being an extra in bloody god knows how many things Hotel Bubble on the bill oh yeah and Nicholas Linhurst had a show on TV the one with his family mm. uh, Silent Witness so that was fun uh, I turned down EastEnders and I never worked for that agency again oh no because I turned down EastEnders yeah. but at the time my cousin Garen Mitchell was uh, starring uh, in EastEnders mm. And I, just, for the sheer fact that my cousin and I are just on two different parts of the world, yeah. I'm a weed guy, he's a coke guy, that's what you guys need to know. Um, <laughs> so I never ended up going on to uh, uh, EastEnders. But yeah, that's where my acting kind of finished, and oh, okay. uh, I started writing little ideas of scripts. Mm. I've got one I've been sitting on for almost 10 years now. Okay. Um, and it's just something that I refuse to give to a studio to fucking bastardize. It's something where I'm like, if I manage to get enough money mm. and I get to an office in Abu Dhabi, I can get some of these Arabs to foot the bill. That sounds cool, man. So it's a kind of multiverse yeah, yeah. time traveling right. type so paper. Massive sci-fi uh, nerd. Very massive sci-fi. Okay, yeah. so um, which one is your favorite? Your favorite series there? Shit. I was born in 84, though, so my mum always told me that I was a V baby. Like, okay. so at the time, everyone in her in her circle was into V. Yeah, it's dark, watching. isn't it? Yeah, Very dark. Yeah, because, like, that... The original still scares the yeah, shit out of me. It's yeah. like Stephen King's It. Put mm. on the original... I, ugh, I closed my eyes at certain bits because I'm like I don't want to see the lights either yeah. so uh, yeah that V was uh, very 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 scary um, yeah. but if I'm thinking of like, all time sci-fi that's, yeah. that's stuck in me oh gosh Firefly Firefly is awesome Brilliant. it's absolutely awesome yeah Shame. But like almost cult things, it, mm. it, it was ahead of its time it stopped mm. before its time and now way after its time it's super big yeah true true um, but yeah, I, and then the, the new Battlestar. The new Battlestar is awesome. I like the old one to one to oh, an extent. You know, I, I tried, I tried, couldn't it's get into it. Now, it's it, like, yeah. oh, what is that? No, but like the, the yeah, I love, you know, I like the it. prisoner as well. Mm. I'm not a number. I'm a free man. Mm. Where you're a prisoner on this bloody island. All of those ideas. I think I think it's an amalgam of, mm. of all things sci-fi. Mm. As a kid, I suppose I found Blade Runner at like the age of nine. So that was it. I think once I saw Blade Runner, I just had this idea of. And Total Recall as totally. well. There's totally. so many. It's unbelievable. But Arnie is, it combined with Arnie as well. It was yes. Brilliant. It was brilliant. Arnie yeah. was the 80s. Uh, did you see the remake of Total Recall? Fuck no. I, did, I was I worried. Couldn't, I couldn't either. I was like, just even the free tittied girl is not enough to get her to watch this film again. <laughs> because they're not on Mars anymore. And, oh, you no. know, what, what I mean, from what I can see, it didn't look like, they were, it looks like they're on Earth. And it's Colin Farrell as well. Come yeah. on. Like, where's the roids? I want more roids. I want roids. That's it. I want a fat, I want a fat, woman who all of a sudden turns into just a roided up guy who takes off the helmet but you can't get that in Colin Farrell the most conspicuous guy ever who is supposed to be a secret sort of resistance fighter oh of course they'll never pick him out of a lineup. I mean he's huge exactly and I think Arnie Schwarzenegger for me was the fact that he was Austrian but he always had these English names that was like he was Ben Richards in uh, The Running Man he was uh I don't know. He just had some English names. Like, my name is Peter. My name is Peter Basie. And that's actually a comic. Uh, my, my name is uh, my name is Duke Bennington. You know, yeah. he just had all of these weird names. You're like, no, you're not. Your name is Hans something. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I yeah. think something any, Aryan. Something Aryan, definitely. Mm. Something like I am here to take us back to the top. But yeah. And so you're doing Camden when? Um, to be perfectly honest, I'm terrible with dates, dude. Um, I, I would tell people to probably go to. Uh, Mel Knight uh, on Facebook uh, at Midnight Mel underscore on Twitter 
and uh, Mel Knight on YouTube because um, uh, then I'll probably put updates and stuff like that. I know Brighton is first yeah. and then it's Camden just before Edinburgh. Right. I'm trying not to put too much emphasis. I should really book. I mm. should be more like administrative and my own boss. But I'm also trying not to put that much pressure on when I find time to actually find a gig because I know many places which are doing previews and stuff. Mm. All I need is 10 minutes on someone's hour show mm -hmm. which uh, I've already been offered. So yeah, watch this space. Cool. Do you have a YouTube channel as well? Do you do sketches too? Uh, no, just I, I put up like one or two gigs uh, just so that I can better myself. <laughs> yeah. I put up gigs and I'm like, well now it's out there. You've got to be better than that video. But, uh, pretty much my podcast. So... Mm. That's pretty much what I do in my YouTube channel. And uh, I'm going to start probably doing like sketches and stuff mm. like that, more content. But really, it's just I wanted to find a home for my podcast because it's audio and video. So mm. I figured if I left it on Vimeo or uh, on my own website, it'll be harder for people to get. Mm. And uh, most people, they just turn on their computer and go straight to YouTube. Mm -hmm. That's their go-to channel. So yeah, on YouTube. Mm. So do you do any writing with any other people or just like you're working on your show at the moment? Um, I've, done a, I've done a little bit, but you know what? It's more, it comes out in natural conversation. Mm. So um, someone will be like, Mel, can I run a joke past you? And I have tend to talk, used to tell people, don't do that. I, I hate when you're like, oh, let me tell me if this is funny. I'll be like, can you save into your stage? Because you're different in front of a crowd of strangers mm. than you'll ever be in front of me. In front of me, you might be super confident, overconfident, and I might miss the tone of your uh, entire um, premise. But every once in a while, in the middle of conversation, I might say something and somebody might go, oh, can I take that? I'll be like, of course. And I have no idea what they're talking about mm. until I see it on stage and I'll be like, Mel, do you remember that thing? Yeah, I used it in that. I was like, really? Wait, wait, oh, oh, that bit. Oh, okay. That's awesome. So <laughs> I said that. Yes. That's my bit. Well, because well, I might not have a use for it, but yeah. they've got this, this oh. entire joke, which this one line is now yeah. that pit that can keep it on mm. the tracks. And uh, so that mostly comes out when I'm just talking and someone goes, oh, can I, I'll be like, what's that for? And then I'll be like, mm. okay, give me a second. All right, let me run this past you, blah, 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 blah. And then I say, and I'm like, oh, yeah, of course, yeah, use it. I would have never used it in mm. that. And usually that's how organic most conversations are. Mm. You can find a joke out of something innocent that someone says, you know, I'm mm. sorry, can I please, I've got to, I've got to use that. So mm. that's just way too good mm -hmm. to be just used in civilians. Yeah. I'm take this onto the comedy. And you don't write for any uh, like anything else apart from your your act and no, just just my act uh, music. But that's only recent. I've only just been doing music like for the last year. Oh yeah, um, I've learned how to play the guitar, and like, All right. I've got two friends who basically do beats. They make musical beats, mm. uh, hip hop ones, are kind of a jazz, a kind of um, housey music. Basically, my best friend growing up in school, he's like an MC now. He started really? rapping for no reason. Uh, okay. We both grew up in the hood, and all of a sudden, one day, he's just at my table rapping. I'm like, how <laughs> fucking dare you yeah. have all this hidden talent? <laughs> so uh, he goes, bro, you used to do rap poems before back in the but I'm not doing none of this rapping shit. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think modern-day rap and modern-day music is so so bad. It's mm -hmm. terrible. There's no lyrics anymore. It just it's It's... You know, I can only listen to music with no lyrics. And if it's like more than six minutes long, oh yeah, that's that's me. Mm -hmm. Then I can just melt to some guitar or some harp or flute. Yeah. Um, oh, what would you listen? To, what would you listen to chill out to? Um, Herbie Hancock, to right. be perfectly, perfectly honest. Uh, I like jazz. I really do mm. like jazz. I've been listening to like some nineteen seventies, nineteen seventy eight Japanese folk right. kind of jazz band. Mm. Um, one called Samurai. The other one. 
the, I don't know his name, yeah. but the, the name of the album is called Masterless Samurai. Right. And uh, it's pretty much like time traveling. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I call it. I, some days I get so busy that I'm like, okay, you've put aside two hours. Mm-hmm. You're going to roll two joints. You're going to get out your notepad. You're going to make yourself a cup of herbal tea. You're going to stick on this entire album for 40 minutes. And you're just going to just travel to that time. Most of the music, you know, is from a certain part of the world, like um, contemporary uh, America, Italy, France. Mm. And I'm listening to music from the 70s, 60s or 80s. And I'm like, well, I'm there. Because for right now, I've blocked out the outside world. I'm not on my phone. And it's just me and my thoughts. And before you know it, because I feel lost in time, I'm grounded in my thoughts now. Because it's like, you don't exist here. So what's true to you? And I'm Mm. like, well, you know, where I'm from in my time, (laughs) people do this. (laughs) And so the world seems so much more simpler when I've taken myself somewhere else. So yeah, Yeah. lots of jazz. And Janko Nilovic, which is some dude from from, uh, Montenegro. He's got like a very weird kind of... 80s kind of jazz right that's kind of cool though. I like the, your process there you're kind of like oh, I'm just going to take myself out of this reality completely and the only thing that's going to link me back is my notepad and pen yes and that is it's like you're, you're like astral projecting your mm-hmm. and sort of like putting your putting your thoughts through a body that isn't here anymore is somewhere else just chilling out like so your body is chilling in the real world but in the, the, this other world you're like it's over there, you're, yeah. you're, it's playtime it's great yeah because I believe in dimensions like yeah, you know yeah. I believe there's probably a fourth maybe a fifth dimension I believe the fourth and fifth dimension is like when you dream it's when your your mind can access thoughts, patterns and recognitions and stimuli outside of your body's involvement. So mm. when you sleep, you're completely static for like eight hours. Mm. If you're getting your good eight hours, sometimes you get less. And while you're there, you're, you're doing something. And sometimes you can retain the memory when you wake up. Like, well, I know I was in bed all this time because I peed it, okay? So, you know, <laughs> you know where you were, but then at some point your mind is remembering like memories of something that never existed. Mm. So I believe if you can access this this bloody dimension, mm. you can do it either through music or just meditation. Mm-hmm. And while you're there, it, your thoughts are so much more clear. It's like, okay, you don't exist here. Before they interrogate you, what's your story? I'm just taking a vacation from the third dimension. It's very boring and it's raining. So I wanted to see what's going on with these aliens. And, you know, it's uh, you can have fun with it. Yeah. And do you meditate as well? Only when I have a bath. <laughs> yeah, only when I get a bath. Um, yeah. I don't do much yoga, yeah. uh, but when I did uh, Kundalini yoga, that was very good. All right, it's very, very like like mind changing. Uh, what's the uh, difference between Kundalini? I know it's a Hatha yoga, which is hatha a hot yoga. one. Yeah, yeah. And then what's Kundalini? Uh, Kundalini uh, yoga, I think, is more the it's like spiritual, where yeah. a woman is actually talking about like releasing your chakra, finding your center. Being in a being in a place of wholeness and stuff, using all these buzzwords, mm. and I'm just like, she's hot as fuck for a sixty year old. But like <laughs> it, in my head, I'm just like, <laughs> I need to do unwind and stuff. And it's nice to hear a woman, you know, just who you know, she might be sixty, but looks incredibly young in her body and in the way she acts. Just tell you, well, this is one way of you unlocking. Mm. something and I'm like well yeah, you know she's hot and just, just listen to her hot voice and mm. try not to look at her hot butt and yeah, mm. yeah I can feel my body actually accepting mm-hmm. I'm older but I can still move and contort and feel better so yeah I did that a while I was just burning through way too many yoga pants man those right. boners Primark yoga pants they're just not equipped for black dicks let's just say that so um, yeah no I haven't done much yoga my only meditating is when I'm at home and like I said the two hours of music and yeah writing and smoking some really good weed. Yeah, you know, I think everything's meditation in a way. If you're, you know, I say you get up, you roll your two joints and then like you put on your jazz and like you have your notepad there. I think that one thing, you block it all out, man. That's, do you do improv as well? 
Um, I'm doing a lot more now. Mm. I mean, I, I, I used to do street comedy. And, oh, uh, right, okay. I used to just go in like a tube and yeah. walk from one character to the other and just like not fuck with people, but you know, like just be crazy. Yeah. And see how they react to certain situations. Um, I walked around with a cup once. Okay. On the tube. People just bowing their heads. I never said anything to anyone. I just kept walking around with the cup. And mm. I figured I just want them to feel like... I'm too nervous to ask for money mm. so that they won't look at me. Because this is an exercise of, I'm on the tube, people constantly look at you. If mm. you've not got headphones on and reading the newspaper, you're weird. So mm. they, they just look at you like, what's he doing? And so I figured with having the cup, scruffing up my hair a little bit, mm. I should have probably rolled in some mud and looked really derelict. But mm. I figured people would think that I was begging on the tube and it was a social experiment. So the first time I did that, I was like, well, the tube is a constant social experiment. Mm. Why don't you next time ask if you can read a newspaper? Next time, see if you can chat a girl up. Next time, see if you can start a conversation with someone. Oh, where are you off to? Oh, yeah, I'm going there. Well, you got to be careful. You know, yeah, that tube stopped today. Well, yeah. I, I don't usually see you in the mornings, but I'll say hi tomorrow. And they're like, oh, okay. And it's just human interaction. And I like when you're in such a confined space, how far can you push the envelope of being genuine? Because most of the time I was genuine. And other times I realized some people might look at you in a different way. So mm. I just want to permeate this shield that we all yeah. throw up and it's yeah. never more evident than on the tube. Yeah, just knocking on their shield. Hello, yeah. I'm here. Like, oh, uh, no, no, you've broken too much force do I, yeah, do I lie in the force field? I'm not too sure about this person. I turn this force field up. <laughs> and then when you help an old lady's uh, carrier onto yeah. the train, you're like, oh, okay, yeah. that seems okay. Reduce shield power down to 50. So yeah. you can almost like get close enough that's to it. Yeah. That's mad. That's it. It's good. You're t- just testing the boundaries of what people are comfortable with there, yeah. really. That's cool. And it makes you comfortable too. You're like, okay, fine. Well, every situation, that's the, what's the problem? It's the facial tells, I think, mm. I'm trying to pick up. Because mm. when I'm on stage, I'm trying to not even to look at the crowd anymore, mm. but I feel this rude sometimes when you're just always like that mm. and they're over there. If you can see where a crowd might lean against something you're going down towards and you can pick that up in eyes and body language, yeah. it's great that you can steer mm. the act towards somewhere else or yeah. have your joke hit a different impact mm. and not like, you know, when people talk about politics and mm. I don't know, like, oh, 9-11 was an inside job, do the research. People are like, oh my God, mm. they're going down a conspiracy route, tin hat mm. time. Some people do clench up. Mm. So I think it's very good to understand how a human being might change and accommodate that. And you're, test- you're testing your own fear as well. Yeah. So oh, when, God, you, yes. when you're on stage, that's going to really help you and you could, rather than going, oh, they're doing this and going, oh no. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's okay. Yeah. I've got, I've got this. If I stay relaxed, they're going to relax too. And that, that's, uh, that's, that's a you know, good little experiment for yourself. It's more of a, more of a test on you really because they will, they, they will not really learn much from it. They'll just go, oh, this person was quite a nice person. I was really tense. And then they were okay. Oh, can I relax a little bit? But they won't know the, the momentum that you're carrying is, is, a, is a key to you, not to them. Absolutely. And hopefully some stuff will rub off on them as well. But you know, I think it's, so. It's, as you say, you're like trying to be the black stretch Armstrong around yeah. the world. That's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of cool, man. What, what other social experiments have you done like that? Have you, like, the tube or where else? Uh, done the tube. Obviously, oh, oh. <laughs> kind of a bit hot, like a hostage situation, really. Pretty though, much. I, I think I've held a few hospital waiting rooms. To, uh, to... It's type five, right? <laughs> what do you think of this, right? <laughs> <laughs> Tonight I'm at the comedy store. Can I run this by you guys? Of course. Yeah, yeah. uh, no, I uh, I think the hospital rating rooms are probably some of my favourites because yeah. uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say the man's full name, but there was a, an A. Hiscock, oh, a man right. who was called first name A, surname mm. Hiscock. And mm. uh, I was like, uh, Mr. Hiscock, uh, we're looking for an A. Hiscock. Yeah. Can anybody get hold of uh, Hiscock? <laughs> and the moment I said it, I was like, oh. Well, yeah. a lot worse coming out than, than it was when I okay yeah. and I walk back inside in shame and then all of a sudden I come back out and I'm seeing there's another one and I was like okay um, T-ball no. we're looking for T-ball yeah 
Okay, so first Hiscock and now T-Ball. Do you think they're off somewhere <laughs> just forgetting that they had an appointment? No. Yeah. And I start getting looks from people like, well, that's kind of funny. And I'm like, yeah. well, you're older. I thought that would have hit like these younger ones. Mm. But that, so your demographic is you like saucy, older, mm. like carry-on comedy. So I've used that now based on whatever days I'm in that waiting area. If mm. it's like the orthopedics, the old people go and see about the hips. Yeah. I've got the perfect like you know comedy for them, yeah. which is right up their alley. And it usually ends with like a grim imagery like, oh, trust me, by the time I was finished, her pillow looked like it had birds' cusses spilled all over it. And there's people like, oh, birds? <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit yellowy, isn't it? And I'm like, well, think about it. We drank a lot of lemonade. And it's yeah. like, oh, Lord. I like that. That's so it's, uh, you know, I give them imagery, but also it's something that they can all relate to yeah. at the end of the day. I've done something which is a faux pas, but then I put the product or the time and the place and it's like, oh, I was there, I saw that. And those little references as well. That yeah. they, can, they can go, hang on a minute, the first customer is yellow. Yeah. And then, and then, so it takes it away from the oh, and from goes, the green. Wait, yeah. He is completely wrong. I mean, it may be graphic, but he, he needs to get his his graphic jokes completely correct. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when I go like, my man gravy is better than uh, you know, yeah. better than your store bought band. Yeah. Ah, bisto. And then like people That's are right. like, well, what are you? Well, oh. <laughs> Oh, no, cancel the roast. We're not eating Bisto tonight. You just ruined it for us. And I said, I was just mangravy. Yeah. But um, yeah, there's there's many little things that just come out of my mouth that I don't even realise I've said. Mm. And once the cat's out of the bag, then I realise that's funny mm-hmm. in that moment for whoever found that funny. And so all the people at work know you do comedy as well? Almost. Almost all of them. Not yeah. everyone. Because I'm freelance now, so I mm. don't kind of belong to one particular oh, building. Right. Yeah. But I've got a weird little... I've got a weird little dilemma with my Facebook or my social media like mm. my Twitter pretty much is people who know I do comedy my Instagram pretty much is half friends half family those friends know I do comedy some of the family members have just started finding out oh. so with Facebook I've got a few work colleagues a few members of the family and friends who are like oh I didn't know you do comedy and I'm like yeah it's a job yeah. uh, and at that point I realised that's where the chasm that divide of well, you're a clown. You're a professional. Like you should. Yeah. I thought you, you you had your life sorted out. You had things looking up. What would you mean? You're now gonna struggle, like you know, like an actor. Like you're gonna you're gonna go from audition to audition. I'm like, well, you know, I'm happy, yeah. uh, and I feel like a job where you're so happy and it gives you time and freedom to be creative. Mm. Nothing beats that. Yeah. And I think if I was in an office or if I stayed in the high levels of working in a hospital, mm. I would not be as funny and give as much back mm. to the world. So when they see how happy I am, then they're like, you know, I'm going to come and see one of your shows. I've looked mm. at all of these photos and you look like you're having fun. Mm. Or, I saw your podcast, you know what I mean? I, I didn't even realise you You have the guests on there. They were like, yeah, they look comfortable. Yeah. Mm. But was that was that tobacco or was that weed? Oh, okay, it was weed. So <laughs> a lot of them are finding that shit. And I'm like, I mean, they're like, the weed's fine, <clears throat> but look, this comedy thing, we need to have an intervention. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, wait, wait, I'm, I'm doing this song and you've censored all of the swear words, but you let, like, bitch slide. I'm like, how could you do that? This is 2017. Mm. She's a young lady. No, your family have come see you yet, then? Um, no. None at no, all? No, no. Wow. Well, other than my... my he's, I called him my brother from another mother, my yeah. best friend, his mum who did my hair, mm. Kathleen's Creations. She's kind of like a, an adopted mum, so yeah. to speak. I've been taken in by a lot of people. Mm. They're like my extended family, so he's definitely like a brother, and she's like my mum, and they've both come and seen me perform. My best friend, Peter, growing up, like when I was 13, mm. I had my first joint with this dude... 
actually had my first cigarette with this dude. Let's just say he was my gateway, okay? <laughs> white kids called Peter. Yeah, he, uh, was he a gateway. Was he a gate? Was he there with a gate and like with wings? Um, no, no, he was just kind of like the, the typical, you know, like he's got one of those shepherd sticks, you know, like oh, yeah. looks like a hook on it and, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, he just hooked me in one yeah. day. Um, Midst of all your, you know, your pros and cons, yeah, like, oh, you oh, know, really. you've done well here, like, have a joy. Yeah, yeah not really. He was just like, oh, well, you want to be like one of the cool kids? We'll smoke this and yeah. I fucking threw up and he goes, thank oh. God it happened with just me and you around the corner of this bin yeah. if anyone saw that they would have called you a pussy yeah. and I goes well what am I now did I throw up he goes well you're still a pussy but just to me yeah. so um, he kind of gave me this kind of man balls yeah. and uh, got me onto my little pathway of just you know I saw the world a little bit more differently thanks to this guy yeah. Comedy, I think my family is now my my crowd, which is a bit mm. sad from some people who've heard me say that. They're like, oh, he doesn't have anyone. Well, I do. I've got extended family. I've got great friends. Uh, and I'm still kind of in touch with my family. They're just so crazy. I've kept enough distance. Mm. Probably as much distance like from my house to yours. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And uh, even though they're quite far away, I can access them whenever they need me. And I think one day when I've made enough money, I just buy them a nice big house mm. and buy them a maid and never have to see them again. Mm. Just know that on a set of monitors or a baby monitor that they're still breathing and that they're yeah. okay. But yeah, yeah, the family will probably see me one day. I'll mm. probably send them my YouTube link or a DVD. Yeah, Christmas. Yeah, probably one of those. Yeah. <laughs> no, and unfortunately, I don't. I don't do Christmases anymore. Oh. Um, since my brother passed away, actually, that was oh. probably maybe a year before he passed. That was like the last Christmas I celebrated. I was dating a girl. She was from another country, though. She wanted me to move all the way back to her country. So Where I was that? Spain. Whoa. So she wanted me to go back to her country for Christmas, and I was like, uh, "Listen, I've kind of got my own Christmas day. Mm. I, I wrap myself up." At least six presents. Uh, <laughs> smoke them before noon, before the Queen's speech, because I've got to be high before she yeah. talks. Uh, yeah. um, I cooked myself a nice dinner, though. Like mm. a, I used to be a chef, so right. the idea is I, I would go all out on the food. Mm. I'll fucking eat like a king. Yeah. Um, and then like I'll watch a bunch of movies mm. and uh, have an exfoliating shower. Just call up some friends, watch some movies. Yeah, yeah, a real pamper day, yeah. It's, Definitely, yeah, nice. it's a me day, you know. Yeah, that's, it should be. I might even buy like quilt with toilet paper just to jerk off because oh, that's why go for free play you know be I mean? good to yourself man. Yeah. that's right so at the moment you're working on your your fringe show half yep. an hour half hour yeah and we do with Rick as well I can do Camden yep I'm going to uh, do a little cameo with uh, Rick so you're in, you don't know the name but yes from Fetus to Fetus sounds like a great working title, isn't it? So from oh, Fetus to Fetus. Because that might, I mean, because that, that's 30 minutes as well. Yeah. As well as that might work. That, yeah. well, I don't know. Look, you're, you're welcome. You can have it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, good, I'm good. <laughs> you're welcome. I like uh, the fact that you're like, you can have something <laughs> that came out of your mouth that I validated you do. <laughs> you can use what you yeah. just said. I'll give you you're permission. Welcome, that's you're awesome. welcome. It's Thank fine. You, it's part of the service. <laughs> Look, yeah, so you're, and you're writing that at the moment, and you're going to go to the fringe this year. Edinburgh, I, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm kind kind of gonna do this kind of crazy amalgamation of different sets but it's going to be the entire half an hour set if I'm lucky if not 25 minutes and just piece each bit together because I've written them in like five six minute chunks anyway so there's ways that I can get around recording the entire thing so it looks like oh he's recorded in five different places but really it's five different five minute spots which is why it's 25 minutes in the entire thing but yeah just try and get each joke out and see the reaction on different rooms and different crowds, and then all splice cool. together. Just that's it. Just get get just get better. Just yeah. Everybody get better. Oh, what was your biggest low first of the last couple of years in comedy? Um, it was oh, because uh, you know, I say I love people and I love 
I love I love this planet. You can totally destroy all that. Then. I've done it. I've done it. I, I dropped an atom bomb. It was it was one of the worst bombings I've had mm. in a long time. Well, no, ever ever. I've never bombed this hard on stage, and I don't think I've bombed it hard since. But it was at I think uh, the Soho Comedy right. Place, uh, Soho Comedy Theatre or Comedy Club. Mm. I've done it before, and I was good. Went there the second time for some reason. I was off mm. that night, um, and I got heckled by this like seven foot tall like giraffe woman who was with her like four foot one I don't know if it was a husband boyfriend whatever but the moment she started talking and, and he was kind of like smirking at me I then decided to abandon my material and ask some questions and it was mm. it was kind of it was kind of weird at that mm. point because uh, you know I was asking him has he has he ever spider-manned her mm. on the wall because he seems like the type of guy that will like keep a lot of cum you know just just like bulging in his balls. He seems like he's got a guy who's got loads of big balls but really small penis. Mm. Would I be wrong in that? Because some people have like, you know, 90% stalk, 10% mushroom head. But I feel like he's got 90% <laughs> mushroom head, 10% stalk. And so yeah. it seemed more like I was attacking them. And I realised at that point I could see why the crowd probably thought, okay, you're picking on them. But really they, they spoke and I was just ready mm. to light them up. Mm. So... Mm. Uh, and I, I took this kind of advice from a comedian where it's like, if you're bombing, don't try and win the crowd back. Mm-hmm. Just take everyone down. Take yeah. them all out. And then that way, you've killed the entire room by mm-hmm. bombing. And then you can just leave with your head high knowing that no one found you exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that, yeah, and let's just say I felt I felt kind of bad because I apologized to the promoter after the show. I was like, thanks for the opportunity. For the opportunity. I'm sorry I did so bad. Mm-hmm. And I actually was hanging out with a comic who got me the gig that night. Mm-hmm. I haven't spoken to him since. Ah. Oh. And I mean, I have. I've called him up, uh, tried to see if mm. we can like have a uh, just a friendly drink. Mm. Uh, and we used to do writing sessions together, mm. which is funny. He used to come around all the time and I'd write with him. Literally, that was like, from that bombing, I, it, it changed his perception of me as a person. Yeah. But then it also changed my perception of him. I was like, you son of a bitch. Mm. You got, I'm 10 times better than I was that night. Mm. I, when I bomb, it's just because I've got good jokes that probably the punchline has been worked out enough or I step on it. But, you know, I've moved on from... I've evolved from then, mm. which I liked about the bombing. I've learned as a person, whereas that guy, I think, you know, because of mm. the way he was judging me, yeah. That's why that's like one of those lows in comedy because I realise you can alienate or isolate or lose people. Yeah, but you're learning, isn't it? Yeah. yeah that's, that's, that's how it's going to be. You can't... You know, it's like, as you said, what I, like, I totally agree with when you say you send a clip to a promoter and you say, hey, look, I'm just going to be better than my clip. Totally agree with that. That's mm. exactly... Yeah, I've just got to remind them why they booked me. That's it. I've got to be better than that clip, and that's all I've got to be. Like, oh man, that, you were good there, but you were great here. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm better because <laughs> it's, it's been time between that clip and now. Exactly. And that's great, man. And so, what was your what's your biggest high? I've not I've not reached it yet. I think one of my biggest highs is having my podcast. I think, and some of the really amazing people that have said that they're willing to go on it. That that for me humbles me to no end. I think Jamali Maddox was one of the first comedians that I probably was hanging around with off stage mm. I saw him at a few gigs and I, I spoke to him and he agreed to just do the podcast before he went fucking nuclear hot mm. like I mean the guy is like fucking mm. and more power to him he deserves it but he's now so shit hot every time I call him he's got a new telephone mm. and he doesn't know who I am so it's like hey do you mind how you doing bro and he goes who's this I was like it's Mel oh my god no, how you doing man is this your same number I was like oh my god what is this phone number 20 so like <laughs> he's moving so fast as a human being that it's uh, that it's hard to catch up with mm. him, but I remember he did one of my very first ones with uh, a mutual friend, Mikey, 
and then he did another one with just me and him. I think for me, the high is knowing that I had somebody who's doing so well mm. in comedy right now, and he was like one of my first ever guests. Mm. And uh, the fact that I've actually shared a stage with so many people that I respect. Yeah. I think my highs, <clears throat> my biggest high is yet to come. Yeah. I think my biggest high was, I think, when I when I turned a corner and I realised, okay, I'm going to do a special, yeah. I'm going to do a podcast. When I was confident enough mm. to take this where it needs to go yeah. and uh, I'm just I'm still soaring that's why I'm that's like it. you know, it's still learning that's it it's all, it's all the same you, if you, you never stop learning and the great thing about doing a podcast is you've got to be so self-aware and you hear your own voice and go oh my god that's oh my me god, yeah. I've got to I've got to rethink about what I say yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. I've tried to sound different based on the fact that I hate how I sound yeah. you know what I mean like more power to you you're going to edit this and you're going to have to hear yourself and yeah. I couldn't do it I'll be like I, every time I hear myself and then go back to listen to the guest and oh here he comes again yeah you yeah. know, it's it's difficult because sometimes you go through a, a, a thing and say say something. I used to get this massive problem as well. Like two problems when I first started. Like, uh, I used to just say them as well. The links. It's like, look, you know, I was like, man, um, they've said something, and I've said it the same thing, mm-hmm. but reversed it. The yes. problem around. Yeah. I'm like, what so, are we doing? So all of a sudden, there's That's two not a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden, there's two competing twitters where <laughs> one of them is like Mel Knight <laughs> underscore. The other one's like Mel Knight uh, Mel underscore Knight. Yeah. And like some dudes just giving me loads of shit. Like, excuse me, mate, I wasn't on this podcast. Yeah, and everyone's sending me links asking for my half an hour special. Mm-hmm. Like, listen, dude. Don't worry, I'll bring you on my show. We can both tell, you know. Yeah. But that's what happens, I think. Yeah, like you said, when you're when you're confident enough and you're you you feel like you're humble enough to say that I'm always going to learn. You'll always you'll get what you need in mm. life, you know. Just as long as you're willing to keep going, mm. you can't just say I've learned all there is to learn. Mm. I'm a headliner. Give me jonglers. <laughs> okay, good luck with that. Because yeah. I think even when you've been doing it for 10, 20 years, you still learn more shit. Mm, exactly, it's true. And so, where can we see you? April 20th, I'll be at Confused Comedy in uh, Peckham Rye, and that is at the Four Quarters. I will also be at the King's Head in Crouch Hill um, in April, and also I will be at Funny Feckers, I think, that will be coming up in May, uh, and I'll also be doing Gagden Battles, or GMB, sorry, they don't call it Gagden Battle anymore because of an incident that happened between a comedian and a child. Um, but yeah, I'll be doing G&B comedy and that'll be in late April as well. Well, I think that's it, Bill. I think we've, we've come to the end. This is banging, mate. This was absolutely yeah. banging. And for anyone listening out there, you can't see it, but the dude has made his own man cave and it's just... I've got some DIY ideas now. I'm going to be looking for containers and shit. This is awesome, man. I love this. And it, it inspires you to do some stuff with a, a wall that you've painted in green screen paint. <laughs> Dublin. You, Dublin green. You've committed fully. Definitely. You're like, right, I've ruined a wall for nothing if I don't use it. Yeah. That is exactly it's a nice focus wall, though. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's good. a very good wall. It is good. And thanks for being on the show, dude. I think you're doing... Um, I just I, Every once in a while, I, t- I take a look on your, your wall just to see where you've got up to. And you are you're literally burning through at a really good pace, man. I hope just I hope you're more successful with this and for the new show as well. Well, Mel Knight, thank you for coming on the show and check out your podcast, Midnight Owl Podcast. Uh, that's on YouTube. Just type in Mel Knight on Google, and I'm the dude of Cane Rose. Thanks and until man. then, have fun, guys. Nice one. Thanks for coming on, man. Cheers, buddy. Great. <laughs> Thanks, man. And that was Mel Knight for episode forty-two. Go find his podcast on YouTube. Subscribe to it. It's called The Midnight Hour. He's a very funny guy, easygoing guy. Go follow him on Twitter. Go find him on Facebook. And go see him live. He's touring his half-an-hour special, which he's hammering out. He's going to be taking that to the Camden Fringe, the Brighton Fringe, and, of course, the Edinburgh Fringe. 
He's going to be doing stuff with Rick Murder, also another friend of this podcast. You can also follow this podcast on Twitter at The Comedy Defect. You can follow me at Winter Fonander. If you want to come see my live stand-up gig dates for the previews of my upcoming show called Tolerance, they're on my website, which is winterfonander.com. If you want to support this podcast, you can find us on Patreon. Go to Patreon, type in The Comedy Defect, and you can donate as little as a pound or as much as you feel this podcast is worth. But if you can't kick something back to us, hey, look, just leave us a nice, honest review on iTunes or Podbean. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Podbean. Also, we're on YouTube now. Subscribe there as well. I don't talk for too much longer because I'm knackered. Next week, we have for episode 43, Adam Vincent. Adam Vincent is a very funny comedian and writer. He was one of three comics that were representing Australia in NBC's Last Comic Standing. He's also written for Hammersmith Apollo for the British Comedy Awards The show that he is a co-writer on, called The Last Leg, was nominated for a British Comedy Award. Now, that is for episode 43, and that is for next week. And so that is it from this episode of the Comedy Defect podcast. We'll see you next week with Australian comedian and writer Adam Vincent. See you next week, guys.